You're listening to the Behind Every Employer podcast, where we sit down with future-focused employers and innovators who are advancing talent development for the frontline workforce that drives business. These leaders are challenging the status quo of education and training and delivering scalable solutions. Discussions cross the intersections of adult education, digital resiliency, training innovations, and other topics important to the new American workforce. This podcast is being sponsored by NGEN and the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. And now, here are your hosts, Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. Woohoo! Hey, Anson, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How's it going, Jeff? Good to it's see you. Tough. It's good. Like it, it hasn't been that long, you know. I just, uh, I usually, you know, we go gaps between we see each other virtually, but we actually saw each other live recently, and I was all excited to be with you. We were out in Coab and in Seattle, Washington, for the Coab National Conference, and uh, what a great time we had! It was great catching up with you. Oh man, fantastic! Yeah, we got that great picture too. We got to, we got to share that picture with the listeners there of uh, you and I uh, finally meeting up together, uh, and it was a great event. So. Uh, the Coalition on Adult Basic Education, if you're new to COABE, uh, is the kind of really mega uh, conference of adult educators. This year was in Seattle. Uh, and, you know, it was kind of momentous, too, because uh, for many folks, it was the first time getting together uh, face to face. And, uh, and the conference was really exciting because they had in-person sessions, uh, all virtual sessions and then hybrid sessions. And I ended up somehow uh, in eight different sessions. And so I got a taste of each one of those formats and that was pretty wild and crazy and uh, uh, kind of fun to be at an in-person conference and then have to run up to your hotel room to go do a virtual event in yeah. the quiet of your hotel room. So real fun there. But what did you pick away, pick up from it, man? Yeah, so much, so much. And one of our sponsors of this podcast is NGEN. And um, coming up in the next another episode, we're going to be, we did some interviews out there with yeah. NGEN and their staff and just we're so um, excited. But, you know, the one thing about Coeb is you walk away with some real um, nuggets of things that you can do in adult education. And, and I get so inspired by not only the people who are there, but the innovation and the thinking and, and all the passion that's there uh, for the work that we do. So I, I was real excited about so, so much. I walked away with a, a lot of uh, tidbits, including Tony Moore, who was our keynote speaker, who just did an yeah. amazing job and was in touch with him recently and follow up. So I go back and I suck it all in, write it all down and say, I got this out of it, got this, got to follow up with him, got to follow up with him and, and her. And, and that's uh, that's really what it's all about. I just hope when people leave the conference, any conference, for, for example, I think when you go to a conference, it shouldn't it should be not just about what you're getting there, but it's what you take back and right. what you use in the end. So um, right. I'm super excited to be here tonight with you again and, and really excited about our guest tonight because I know that uh, Jesse's going to be sharing some some nuggets for all of us to have. And I'm really um, I'm, I'm thrilled that he's on and looking forward to our discussion. Yeah, I, uh, absolutely. He's going to be a great guest. You know, one more thing on COVID I wanted to mention, you know, first off, we this is our first coming out party for the Behind Every Employer Initiative as well as the podcast. There are several sessions as well as a big general session where we discuss this. And then, um, you know, I've been on this, you know, beating the drum on getting more workplace employer sessions on the conference agenda over the last few years. This year we had several, and I just felt this kind of, kind of tipping point where we've kind of got this really different vibe going on in terms of the adult basic education community bringing employers into the mix. And so I think uh, behind every employer, 
uh, and behindeveryemployer.org, our website, are really great vehicles to start to bring just-in-time information out there. And uh, and then the podcast, just get to hear from pros like Jesse. And so let, let me tell you a little about Jesse. So today we, we kind of are... Uh, we got a, a bro and a pro here with us. And what I mean by that is, is Jesse's from San Antonio, uh, uh, a San Antonio resident like I am. So he's a bro in San Antonio. Uh, and then he's a pro in that Jesse has cut his chops in the podcast world, which we're going to hear more about. Um, so this is going to be an exciting one. Um, he's going to keep us on our game here. Uh, we're going to probably come away richer in terms of uh, our craft on the podcast world too. But Jesse, a little bit about him. So he's born and raised on the south side of San Antonio. And, uh, you know, uh, it depends on where you live in San Antonio, but there's a large contingent down there that think that the best tacos in San Antonio come from San Antonio. But this is an area of the city too lots of economic development. It's where the Toyota Tundra factory is. Uh, the only factory that makes Toyota Tundra trucks in the world down on the south side. Um, great new universities down there with Texas A&M and a lot of growth going on on the south side. But he has uh, really been in the world of, uh, you know, construction. And I love his his moniker, you know, he's, he's got his career that spans from grading ditches to counseling executives. And that's what I love about Jesse. He's got the span. And, um, you know, from what I've picked up on his podcast, uh, Learning and Missteps, uh, and just knowing him personally, uh, we've been on committees together and, and worked together for many years now, um, is that he really uh, finds ways to bring things together and sees that, you know, despite industries, types of workers, what we're doing, there's so much more alike than there is differences when we're working on uh, critical topics and on really advancing things forward. Um, and he really, you really pick that up from his work and from what he says about supporting business leaders and expanding their influences with their workforces. He's a lifelong San Antonian, as I mentioned, graduated from San Antonio ISD, second generation plumber. So he's got the chops and the trades mm. and a lot of his, you know, uh, work on the podcast is related to like really enhancing the image of uh, careers and the trades. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, Jeff, you're aware that, you know, the trades has been just like manufacturing been going really our whole careers probably in both reinventing themselves trying to reach out to new groups, uh, more female representation, these types of things. And uh, I think Jesse's work has really helped uh, uh, kind of enhance that. And I love this about where he's going because he's he's built this podcast and, and then his kind of mission and what he's working on is around these qualities of con contribution, contributing what you can to the industry, owning what you do, but also this vulnerability, like letting yourselves be open to change, listening to others, letting yourselves be ready to kind of learn and fail maybe and come back. And that durability is something that I think a soft skill we really see is critical out there in the workforce. So um, I can't wait to hear more of what we got to do here with Jesse. Uh, and um, we're going to bring him on here and uh, see what we can do with a, a great guest here in terms of uh, getting us challenged and hearing what he's got to say. You got it. So, uh, Anson, we're going to take a, a really quick break, but Behind Every Employer is going to be right back. And Jesse Hernandez is on deck. So All we'll be right. right back. This podcast is being sponsored by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. Now to our hosts, Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. We are back. And there is the man, Jesse Hernandez. How are you, Jesse? I'm well. How are y'all doing? 
Hello, man. Good to see you. We're doing great, and we're we've been waiting for this episode because we uh, we just love your podcast. We love what you're doing in the trades, and uh, we really want to bring some of that you know inspiration, that feedback, that guidance that I think is transferable across industries. We've noticed that with a lot of our guests, where uh, when we're talking, we're like not wanting people to think, oh, uh, this is only about healthcare or oh, Jesse's only about the trades because it's just not the case. There's so much durability. But uh, tell us what you've been up to. Like, uh, tell us about yourself a little bit, Jesse. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, the intro you gave, Anson, was pretty <laughs> phenomenal. Thank you. I'll try not to blush over here. Um, native san antonian born born and raised on the south side i have no plans on leaving the south side of san antonio uh and that's because i feel um i feel it's important that people that i can be a an example for yeah. for all the other youngsters in my neighborhood um and i the, the the community this community has done so much for me right i graduated from brackenridge high school uh, I'm an alumnus of SAISD, which, you know, may for a while hasn't had the best um, rap, if you will. But we're working on changing that, right? We're going to change the image of the district because there it has produced amazing contributors to the community. And I think being here is just it's a special thing for me. Plus, um, the tacos, right? Henry's Taco House on Ceballos. Like, I ain't going to move away from Henry's. That's some good tacos there. Uh, and you mentioned I've been in, in construction. I started uh, my career as a plumbing apprentice in 95, right after I graduated high school. And and just like you said, started dating, uh, grading ditches, um, put grew into a foreman role, superintendent role, got to a point where I was creating training programs for transitional training from the field, the foreman and foreman to superintendent recruiting. Uh, we did a first ever trade based internship program for kids under 18, which is not illegal. We, I followed all the rules. I made sure, <laughs> um, which was pretty big. And since then multiple employers in the construction space have launched their own and like immaculate beautiful programs where they're partnering with schools and they branched out past outside of san antonio um and then i went to the general contractor space and served as a lean manager regional lean manager so with that just super nerdy stuff around process improvement yeah but the most critical thing and maybe it was an awakening i had along the way and specifically in the lean space and and leading teams and and business dealing with business problems is the people part right and you mentioned it earlier is the whole vulnerability piece um right now i think we're in a time where the more human we are or rather come to terms with how human we actually are um the the better the likelihood that we will be able to succeed and develop the capabilities of the people that we are responsible to uh, the the manage by objective command and control type thing that ain't flying no more right and and things really really got to change and there's a lot of people out there making that happen already yep i love it because uh, that just speaks to the soft and the soft skills you're getting really in there you know and uh i think that's a space you know that as, as i mentioned i was thinking about your your podcast when you first mentioned it a, while, a long time back maybe almost two years ago uh and i was like 
wow, what is he talking about? Like, you know, first off, I was thinking, you know, construction trades and, and then, you know, listening and stuff. I'm like, no, this is, this is a whole nother dimension that he's getting into. And I think you kind of grew into that with the podcast, you know, um, over the episodes. So uh, really appreciate and glad to have you on. So we've got some things we really want to hear your insights on. And one of them that I want to start off with is kind of a theme we've had on multiple episodes. And I think it's just the zeitgeist. It's just where we are in the world of workforce development, where adult educators are in the world of uh, uh, education and training. And a lot of it just kicked up and thrust upon us with the pandemic. But it has to do with digital and digital skills and digital tools. And, you know, we have just been, um, you know, in our personal lives, just having to deal with this in terms of how we do work, how we communicate, how we uh, do our, our commerce and everything. But on the work side, in construction, I know this theme has been ongoing for years, but I want to hear about, like, when you think of in the trades, the introduction of technology on the work site, you know, so we're going to get right out there um, on the job site and think about, uh, again, this span of this gap, you know, you've got your supervisors, your foreman, and then you've got your front line. And then you've got all these, uh, you know, this candy box of tools, digital tools, new things, new efficiencies, more precise measurements. Um, but you, this bridge between maybe minimal familiarity with computers and technology, maybe limited English, limited skills, maybe just like not comfortable working alongside technology, um, which impacts folks across the age span. Sometimes things, oh, these are the old geezers that are going to, we're going to have to work on this digital. The young guys will get it. It's not the case. Um, you see these gaps all over, but what's your feedback on like, like, what are you seeing out there in terms of gaps between management and frontline on that job site first? Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> That's a big question. Yeah. Um, you know, like the gaps between management and frontline, those, those are legacy problems with whatever new whiz bangy thing that comes out. Yeah. Um, now I'll, I'll start with kind of my experience. Um, when I decided to work that summer and, and said, okay, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to stick it out and continue doing plumbing. Yeah. It's because I didn't want to read anymore. I didn't want to write stuff. And I really didn't want to touch a computer. Yeah. Like I picked the trade to stay away from that. Mm -hmm. Well, fast forward, here we are. And in the, the technology is invading, not invading. It is an absolute um, enhancement. Yeah. It can be. Now when we handled with um, with care, right? We, we've got to be very respectful and intentional about the deployment of the app or the tool or whatever it is. And so again, when we rolled out iPad, so this was a while back, uh, they gave us an iPad and they're like, okay, just, you know, you got to log in, create a iTunes account. Like what's, I don't know what that is. Well, you enter your email address. I'm like, I don't have one of those. We'll create one. I don't know how to do that. So there were all these assumptions that the the folks that are very exposed to the technology and they went to all the, you know, the song and dance show and this app's going to save your life. It's going to make you a lot of money. The ROI, mm -hmm. wah, wah, wah. And they said, we got to do this. But yeah. they didn't consider where the knowledge base was of the people that were actually going to use it. 
Right. Like just total disconnect. It's going to be great. They're going to love it. Anyhow, so we worked through all that. And then there's like, for me, I remember there was a real fear I had around, man, I'm going to put an email address and like somehow this internet thing is connected to my bank account. I just know it, right? Like they're going to take all my money. Um, So there was, it was like fundamental exposure or introduction would have minimized the pain. Now this was... Now everybody has iPads. Everybody's kids has an iPad. We got iPhones. So another thing that happens out in construction is this stuff gets deployed and it's like, well, just download the app. Yeah, sure. On whose phone? Because I have my phone. (laughs) Are you going to give me a phone? Like, I mean, those are real things that employers take for granted. Um, I get the translation part, right? Because there is there is a gap. Some people don't speak English or very well. Um, they can communicate, and that's really important. And that's really just fundamental. As long as we can communicate and make this building go up, we're going to be good. It yeah. doesn't really matter what language we do it in. And, and so leaders will make an assumption because I have a beautiful tan that I can translate. I cannot translate, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can but my vocabulary, my technical vocabulary is horrible. And yeah. I'm not going to do an appropriate job in communicating that to um, to the individual that's going to be using it that speaks Spanish primarily. Yep. Yep. Another thing, and this is on the, the, the developer end of whatever thing it is, it's fancy. They're going to make some money. They're going to get a subscription or licensing fee or whatever. And then they do a train the trainer thing, right? <laughs> And they train one or two people within the organization to be, you know, the carrier of the torch. Yep. Now, the organization knows that that person is usually triple stacked because you, you know how they got picked to be the, the champion? <laughs> because they get picked to do everything else and they make right, things happen. Right, right. So their days are already stressed. They've got multiple responsibilities. And because we're geniuses, we say, let's give them another one. Great. However, now they've got competing uh, agendas, right? Like I, what's more important and which one do you think is going to get the least attention? Yep. Yep. Taking the time and care to walk with people through the use of whatever this thing is. Now, let's say they achieve that and say, you know what? We're going to be very intentional. We're going to take them offline. We're going to schedule it out. Good. And we're going to bring the users into this little training room, right? right? Where it's nice and air conditioned and all these things. That's also, I think, rather that's an, an opportunity to honor the workforce. And rather than bringing them in, why don't we go and use this thing, coach them, teach them how to use it, where they're actually going to be using it in the real life space, right? right. right? Well, no, but it's too loud. Oh, no, there's too much going on. Oh, no. You can't see it in the sunshine. You can't oh. see it in the sunlight. Yeah. You follow me? It's like, come on. We're, we're just, we have, we're, it's this cloud of everything's going to be great, but let's go sweat with them for a couple of hours. And it's yeah. really not going to be that great. It, it, it's an additional, any change, positive change is disruptive. Yeah. 
Jesse, I want to. I just want to take this tape. I want to carry it with me everywhere I go because <laughs> there isn't a day that goes by that a vendor, a software vendor, is calling me saying, yeah. "I got this program for you. I got this program for worksites. I got this program for an employer." And I want to tell them that that they yeah. shouldn't be talking to me. They should be talking to our frontline workforce and they should be asking them, does this even make sense to you? Like, can yeah. you even use this? Does it make any sense in the field? And they throw these products out there without having the glasses. And I, it's the first thing I say is send the product to me. I want to have some frontline workers that I work with. I want them looking at it and I want them telling me, does this really work or is this a bunch of nonsense? Because if you can't understand it and use it, like what good is it? And employers are spending a lot of money on these products. Um, But in the trades especially so, we see it over and over again. It is such an awesome point. And I just wish everyone that's listening out there, if you are an employer and you're about to buy a product, Get a team of your frontline workers together. Have them sit down yeah. and put get let them test drive the darn thing, right? Because that's really where it's going to happen. Great yeah, point. Couldn't agree more. It seems like, you know, and I think that, I mean, there's a certain skill set in doing that needs analysis with your workforce, you know. Uh, and you see it. I mean, we're talking about Jesse and trades right now, but you see this in every, every sector, you know. Uh, in an earlier episode with Jackie Barant, she talked about deploying electronic health records in, you know, university hospital. And nobody asked the question like, you know, can thousands of, you know, entry level, you know, uh, staff at university hospital actually use this technology uh, and, and do the data entry and stuff like that. So you see these missteps all the time with technology. And Jeff, like you're saying, like, get get the users in the room. Jesse, like you're saying, Get it on the work site and use it in in the place where it's going to be used, not in a nice air conditioned, you know, uh, a break room or, or conference room. Um, and uh, it is it's the lure of technology, I think. Uh, yeah. And there's no doubt it brings efficiencies. There's great stuff out there. But um, yeah, I think we all have different perspectives of how we've seen it misused. Um and uh, it's, it's that needs analysis, getting it out there. Jesse, do you, can you think of good examples of what leaders do to introduce it well? Like, what have you seen that work? Yes, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I've seen folks be extremely patient and extremely selective about where they were going to pilot the first run of whatever it was. Right, right. Um, and, and they were patient, right? Like, it was... Let's give this a shot. Let's try this out. Let's see how this works. This is, you know, we're looking to see if this thing is going to achieve X. Yeah. Helping people understand the purpose and the value and specifically the value it means to me. Because if I'm going to be pushing the buttons and carrying the camera on my hard hat or, or whatever it is, that's extra. That's extra because I didn't have to do that before. Yeah. So what is it? What am I going to get out of it? And then help me, so describe the value, and then help them realize and experience the value. Right. Uh, but again, slowly, right? Yep. Like there's, I've, I've been able to see some groups that have a history of um, knee-jerk reaction and like everything everywhere. Everybody's going to do this effective immediately, thou shalt. Yep. <laughs> And then they kind of saw the light, right? The, and, and said, oh, we need to stop doing that. We're going to start piloting things and, and we're going to pick a project team 
that that is that has their feet under them. They're clicking right along. The client's very happy. The job site morale is off the charts. Let's test there because they have the bandwidth to accommodate a little extra change. We're not going to test it on the job where the client hates us and right. we're behind schedule and people are quitting because those people are just trying to survive, right? You, right. Simple things, but you do that. <clears throat> and then they, they have the bandwidth so they can play with it and they can figure it out and provide the feedback and say, yep, this is how it worked. This is how it didn't work. Let's give it another run. Now, in that situation, <laughs> the team was super skeptical. They're like, I don't believe you. Like, like yeah. Who, yeah. What, what mask are you wearing? Like, what are you trying right. to get? Because, and this is a real thing, just it period and change management. Um, we have history, right? We have baggage. My behavior, my body of work follows me everywhere. And when I'm an aggressive uh, rear end chewing, hollering, pushing type personality. And all of a sudden I'm going to be respectful and yeah. vulnerable. People mm-hmm. ain't going to trust it. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. So you just, you gotta, as leaders, you gotta stay the course and say, okay, I deserve that. Cause I have this shadow behind me of being a big fat jerk Yep. and I haven't outrun that shadow. I got to put some time in so that shadow can get small. And I think the leaders that have that um, self-awareness to take ownership of, hey, we did some dumb things. I made some bad decisions. I'm doing my best to change. And I'm probably going to mess up again along the way. The vulnerability, right? Like, this is important. I need you to join me on this trip. That's different than... Just do, do what I'm telling you. Yeah, just do this. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, you, you brought up something else that made me think about this, too, is when you brought up, like, download this on your phone. And we see that a lot where it's like, well, wait a minute now. Now, you know, two things I always hear. One, uh, you know, am I going to get a work phone? Because this is my phone. Yep. Two, what are you collecting information on? Me? Like, yep. all of a sudden, your work is in my phone. Yep. And that is something that, you know, that is something you have to respect. And that's where the needs analysis comes in. Like, let's go tell the front line, like, can we put this on your phone? What are you going to do? You know, mm-hmm. uh, how do you feel about that? The other thing that makes me think about this is uh, back to our audience here of, of schools, adult, adult educators, when we think of um, them prepping the workforce for the future, you know, folks going into trades and all because they get approached by vendors that come up like you're saying jeff saying like oh well this is what jesse uses in industry so you need to buy this for your school and you know this is one of these things where working with your industry partners to validate uh, and update your curriculum because you want to be responsive you want folks to get jobs when they exit schools um but you can easily get snookered into, you know, buying the next big thing that industry says, oh, that was five years ago. We used that or we don't use that. And I think, Jeff, you've been there, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, great discussion. Great discussion. So I want to shift a little bit and stay on that work site because it's a great place to talk about these dynamics, uh, Jesse. And I want to talk about kind of 
supporting the entry-level frontline workers on the workforce. That's really our mission on behind every employer is to really talk this through with leaders like yourself and then uh, for our education partners, for them to kind of hear from the source's mouth, uh, from, the, from the horse's mouth, like really what businesses are saying about that. But one thing I want to get into is like communication challenges on the work site. Um, and these things kind of happen in different ways. Um, you know, uh, way back before I got into adult ed, I used to work in commercial cabinet making. And um, uh, I remember these tensions on the work site. There was kind of two dimensions. One was, uh, you know, here we are pulling up with our truck with the trailer and all the cabinets. Uh, and the plumbers like Jesse are still on the work site and we can't <laughs> install. So get your stuff out of the way because we're here and we need to put our stuff in or the electricians. And you've been there, Jesse, I'm sure. So there's some muscling and stuff. And that's one level of communication. But the one I want to talk to you about is the tension between, uh, and you mentioned it, uh, you hinted at it earlier, but the, the limited or non-English speaking workforce in the English speaking workforce, knowing, especially in trades, but really in a lot of industries, you have this kind of mix and uh, we've got to, you know, bring that building up. You know, we've got to do uh, our retail. We've got to cook the, 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 the meals for the night at the restaurant. We've got to do our work in manufacturing together. Um, and I just want to hear like best practice that practices you've seen in these different kinds of uh, work environments, you know, trades is a good one because you've got tough timelines. You've got uh, sometimes pretty harsh work environments, weather-wise, temperature-wise. Um, so tensions can run high. Um, but where do you see uh, best practices out there with leaders in construction when it comes to dealing with language or cultural differences on the work site? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yes, awesome. Thank you. There's... It, there's a vast array, right? The, you talked yeah. about the muscling and the the the, yeah. the fun stuff. Maybe not so fun, um, but there's also I've been on amazing jobs. So one thing that I've been able to see a lot, and I, I kind of just think in, as I'm trying to describe the job, think of the airport. Yeah. Right. You go to an airport. It's you just look. You don't have to read anything. You look. And you'll see little feet on the floor that say, go to the terminal, right? You, you see a picture that says Southwest or Delta or whatever. So visual communication, visual cues that are loud and proud, indicating this is where you walk. This nice. is not where you walk. This is danger. You know, danger signs are a good, simple one. Yep. I, I got to see some on some data center work in Omaha. Big, gigantic campus. And there was multiple superintendents, multiple field uh, uh, supervision, and the trades, the electricians, the concrete guys, the the sheet rockers, all of them. Yep. They're like they have to work with all of multiple yep. different superintendents because they travel through the building faster. Yeah, yeah. And they were getting confused. Like I worked with Josh last week, and now I'm on Bay C. Josh isn't the superintendent for that job, and so the the it was easy. Yeah. Man, if they would just speak English, like negative. So they said, what if we did that? Got big, giant boards, like the size of my whiteboards back here yeah. with the picture, the face of the superintendent of mm. that area with their name and their phone number. Like how that's not hard. Yeah. Very easy. Now, 
in terms of what are people doing? It's there's some beautiful things happening out there. Of course, the ESL, right? And it kind of sometimes it's like, wow, ESL, big deal. Everyone else is doing that. Sure. However, they're doing it on site, yep. right? They're they're bringing teachers, English teachers, in so that people can access and expand the English language, um, so that they can excel in their right. you know in their careers and in their personal lives, uh, which is. It's an investment, right? It, it, and that's yeah. the thing. There's this this twisted thinking of like, well, they should do it if they want to be successful. Like, okay, right. fool, but we are trying to build this building. And if we don't make an investment, we're dummies. Yeah. Like, we, we can't just keep abdicating the opportunity away from ourselves. Oh, I love that. Now, one amazing thing that I've heard um, I haven't seen it yet, but it I've heard it multiple times. And I'm like, oh, you're now you're now we're talking. Now we're getting it. A few leaders have asked me directly, like, okay, ESL that yeah, we do that. What about a Spanish class for us? Mm, yeah. yeah. What about us learning the language? Learn to be able there's right. to just be able to speak, to to say good morning to somebody. And have a small little respectful conversation with them. Right. I love like, that. I, yeah, I love that. Always go one way, really. Yeah. You know, you know, we should we should in the workforce to go the other way too. And you know, I love it. It does two things too. You know, yeah, it, it presents the opportunity to communicate in someone's other language, but it shows too that management is willing to meet halfway. Yep. And that's probably the bigger, the bigger piece. You know, uh, I, I worked with a business in, in uh, Odessa one time, an oil field manufacturer welding group. Uh, and the foreman, I remember we were going to do ESL, like you're talking about, Jesse, a lot of welders from Mexico, a lot of skill talent in there. And the, the, the owner, Mr. Sybils, I remember him so fondly. He, he told me two things. He says, you know, we want to build community with the language and I'm doing this too, to send a message. I mean, this was a long time ago for me, probably 2005 or six. And I remember thinking, wow, this guy's like small shop, probably 30 welders um, and, and, and pipe fitters and stuff. And um, most of them not speaking English, but he, so he had these two dimensions to get to the community piece. I'm going to be in it and I'm going to do it myself. And that's why we're doing this. It's not, we don't have to teach these folks how to be quality welders. We don't need to teach them how to be safe. We need to teach our whole team, foreman included, how to be a community together. Because yeah. um, he told me, he goes, you know what I want? I want them to come in on Monday and tell me how their weekend was. I want to yeah. be able to talk to them about how their weekend was. And I was like, wow, this is like so simple, but so enlightened too, you know, uh, fantastic. So <laughs> So when we think about what could our schools do to kind of help folks be ready for those environments, like I, I, I sometimes wonder, like when we, we think about our listeners, what are your ideas for pre-apprenticeships and apprenticeships that kind of build in this diversity of the workplace in terms of language and community? Because those, you know, you think about apprenticeships and all, it's all about the skills, you know, mm -hmm. and your podcast and you, you're all about, okay, everything else too. Let's go big on the kind of holistic piece. Talk yes. to us about what you think schools ought to be doing to better prep folks. 
for those environments. <laughs> yeah, I might get us in trouble on this one. Um, you know, I think, I really think that the skills and the certificates and the credentials is overrated, mm. right? I've got a driver's license. That don't mean I know how to drive worth a damn. No. Yeah, right. Like if what's helped me be successful, and I shouldn't even use the word successful, what has helped me thrive and experience an amazing quality of life is not that I took calculus my senior year in high school yeah. or that I got an A in physics. It that nobody cares about that. Yeah. What has helped me is my ability to communicate my willingness to have conversations, my willingness to do things like the podcast, learns and missteps, to try something, mess it up, be willing to take the lashings that come with making mistakes and apply that learning going forward, right? The the humility, um, forward thinking, the problem solving. And again, the, the community, like respect for respecting one another, respecting each other. Like I got to respect myself in order to respect you. And, and nobody gets celebrated for that, right? There's no ribbons. There's no medals. You get it for having the highest grades. And so what it creates here, maybe here's an easier way to say it. My experience in school is it really, it's really good at developing achievers right? Box checkers. Yep. I got this. I got that. I got, and and that's, 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 that's okay. It's not bad. But what we need, what this world needs right now is contributors. We need to shift from achievement to contribution. Wow. The work is the work. It doesn't, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Like if I, I'm gonna go get a tooth pulled out. I want that person to like have a lot of training. I don't just want them to be trying it. Um, but the focus on contribution, what am I doing to make my day better? What am I doing to make my community better? What am I doing to serve the person that is directly in front of me? I think if we, if we could do something, something in that area, we'd have a totally different experience out there. Yeah. Jesse, there was a great study that came out relatively recently. They asked all these employers, what are the things you most look for in your frontline workers? And they said, look, we can teach them to do anything. You know, people have skills when they come to us, right? They have, a, they have the skill set to do it. We can teach them to do anything. But you know what? We can't really teach them how to communicate well, right? We can't teach them how to be good leaders. We can't teach them how to, um, p- to be respectful, um, how to be on time and time management. You know, some people call them soft skills. I call them essential skills. Like, oh, yeah. like those are the things you really need to know. And, and it's interesting that you you frame it like that because quite honestly it really are it are those those really things that make a person a good employee right when you think about it because um, I, I do agree I think the credentials are an important piece but I don't think they are the bottom line you could give someone 10 credentials but they would they could still only last a day because they can't get along with anyone on the right. website right or you know they 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 just they don't know how to figure they don't have that critical thinking in them right or they don't want to learn how to do things um those are things that are that are important to build into every program that we have so i really appreciate about that perspective yeah. i'm curious so when you talk about that you know when you talk about apprenticeships 
and um, the use of apprenticeships. Is that something that in your field that, you know, they're being pushed by the federal government now by most states start apprenticeship programs and are really pushing them forward. And I'm wondering what you're what you're seeing in the field. Are apprenticeships helping us? Are they hurting us? Should we be pushing them more um, and working with our students? What do you think? I think apprenticeships are 100% valuable. I'm a product of an apprenticeship. I went, I graduated from the yep. ABC Associated Builders and Contractors of South Texas apprenticeship program. And the real value that I got from the apprenticeship program was learning how and the how and why behind what I was doing, right? Like I could hang pipe all day long and that was only going to get me so far. I under, I started understanding that these systems are designed a specific way. The size of the pipe is the size of the pipe for specific reasons. Um, water heaters, expansion tanks, like I got to, there's a lot more, but those are kind of the easier things to reference. I got to understand that there was a design behind what it is we were installing and hanging, et cetera. And it also helped me understand things from, a planning perspective. Like I wasn't just going to show up and pick things up. So the apprenticeship helped prepare me to make the leap from installer to foreman. Mm. Like because of the knowledge base that I had, right, right. I was very well prepared. Now I didn't want to make the leap, but y'all know sometimes when you're called to lead, you want to fight it for a little bit and so you end up surrendering. That was me. Um, so the apprenticeship absolutely helped me with that. And it also helped me learn some of the systems and, and skills. It gave me early exposure to some of the systems and skills than I would have had just working with my on, um, well, I guess on the job training, right? Like doing my day job. Right. But a lot of what a lot of companies will do for efficiency is you, they'll, you'll get put on a rough-end crew, an underground crew, the fixture crew, the HVAC hydronics crew. And because you're good at it, you stay on that crew for two or three years right? or 15 years. And now I have 15 years of experience of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Now, apprenticeship, I got to understand a, a wide array of things. And because I was aware of that, I was very vocal <laughs> coming up with my, with my employer. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. I need to go do fixtures. Yeah. And after I get done on fixtures, I want to be on that hydronic system over there. And after that, so that I could have an understanding of all the different systems. And again, yeah. also preparing me to take a leadership role in the field. I got one more follow up on that because I just I'm so impressed by you. But what impresses me most is I, I firmly believe that that every executive should spend at least a few weeks of the of their year in the field. And they should, you wear these pair of glasses from frontline worker to supervisor and above. And I think you can't wear those glasses at the top of the ladder unless you've been down at the bottom and know how everything works. And I love that perspective. And I was wondering if you could just share a little bit about, you know, the glasses that you wear from that perspective as a frontline worker, really mm. seeing it and how you've kind of managed to evolve because so many of our students may be watching this and employers will be watching it say, I want Jesse. I want, we got to find more Jesse's out there. And, and I'm curious, like, what, what advice are you going to give employers when they're looking at frontline workers and saying, you know, you know, does this guy have potential? Like, how do I move him into that kind of spot? How do I make him into Jesse? How do they do it? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to have to charge for that. There'll be a link to my <laughs> fans only account. No, I'm joking. Uh, you know, 
where should I start? So I'll start with how, like, the there were, I got, I'm very blessed in that I ended up in conditions that were suited for my development. Mm-hmm. So found an, I, now journeyman, there were people that I was working under and I got, I was very fortunate and several of the journeymen I worked with counseled me expertly. Like they gave me good direction. And when I mean good direction, it was good information, but they also had the the presence to make me do what they told me to do. And so finding an apprenticeship program and sticking it out and applying for my card with the state, et cetera. Then I ended up working with uh, TD Industries. And TD Industries is specifically... They have a servant uh, philosophy of servant leadership. Nice. So they already had a system in place to help develop the leadership capabilities within their people. Um, and they had an interest in, in really making an investment in the apprenticeship program. So the company was vested and had a system designed to develop people. I got lucky that I landed there because right. these things were in place. Um, now I wasn't, <laughs> I like, even in high school, I, my grades were great. I just didn't know how to behave. I didn't know how to sit down. Like I, it was, and so I was, I've been that person to this day. So the company had the, um, organizational patience for me to mature because <laughs> I was a pain. And so my, my thing, what I, it's, I get restless and if things are are funky for no reason i can't tolerate like i i just like why are we doing it like that why is it this way and 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 if there's a problem i am compelled to surface that problem and i've been that way since i was a little kid um now i've i've grown to understand it yeah it's nice to say there's a fire but how about you go get a bucket and help put the fire out, right? So now mm-hmm. I understand this and I so I can contribute to the problem solving, et cetera. Now, the, the lens, the empathy for the work. So I have an unfair advantage on people, <laughs> on, on people in leadership roles because I lived the work. I did my four years of apprenticeship. I was out there learning learning how to do it, running teams, messing things. Oh, you know, there's a story on one of the episodes. There was one time I ordered duct work because we did plumbing, piping, and, and sheet metal. Two 20-foot trailers, 40-foot trailers full of duct work. We unloaded it directly off of the trailer into the dumpster because I ordered it wrong. Wow. <laughs> it wow. was expensive. Now, my the, the reason I'm saying that is at every role that I've served in, there's pain and burden associated with those roles. Mm-hmm. So if we think about the, the training that I put together. The training was designed to mitigate the pain that I experience for the next people coming through. And so there was two, two big wins there. The transitional training, <clears throat> we lost a lot of money. We lost a lot of people because we would do the battlefield promotion. So employers don't do that put a system in place that helps people progress from one level to the other people would be burnt out and it's out there we all know it right yeah uh mental wellness uh 
self-medication, suicide, all of these things, I'm just going to say it. Employers are contributing to that and they're not doing anything to mitigate it. So I got to be a, a foreman and they just gave me a bunch of stuff and said, go be awesome. And then I had a meeting every month. They, they told me how awesome I wasn't, but they didn't help me get better. Mm-hmm. They just said, do better. I got good. Then I got promoted and then I sucked again and I had to figure it out. This time I had a company truck and a computer, but that was it. And so I could see how I lived that pain, but I could also see the business value of putting something in place to lower that learning curve and minimize the pain for the impart the employee and also enhance the profitability for the company now and so that's i guess a key thing that they did was they saw they listened to me yeah. <laughs> they and i like they gave me um they gifted me with so much trust and said, all right, Jess, you want to do this thing? Do it. Because they also felt the pain, right? They were, we were feeling the, the pain of the sure. pocket. It, pick, it trickles up. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and there's this common thing. So here's maybe another pointer for the employers. If your problem is talent, you haven't looked far enough because mm-hmm. I promise you right now, I can wave a magic wand and get you all the talent in the world. But if your systems aren't designed to integrate them and progress them throughout the organization, it don't matter how much talent you got. They're going to be gone. You're going to lose them and they're going to play to the design of the system. Yep. I love that. I mean, you're bringing back, you know, we started talking about like the the differences on the work side, bridging the gaps, you know, and, 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 and I love that we've kind of heard these different ways to do this. You know, you talked about, putting the faces of the, uh, you know, the supervisors on, on boards on every floor to say like, this is the, the person to talk to. I know uh, work sites and where I work at Tyson, we do things with color coded hard hats. You know, these folks have the safety, the safety folks have this color, the production people, the FSQA, you know, quality assurance have this color. Um, so there are those kind of signals, but then you're getting, but so those are part of the system. Yes. And those are simple, simple ways to bridge the system. Um, but I love these examples of like really turning it on yourself as a leader and saying, okay, you know, we can get the talent. It's not about the talent, you know? Uh, and I, I always think about that thing uh, we were hinting at earlier about like, you know, the hard skills are what get you fired, but it's the soft skills or hired that, but it's the soft skills that get you fired, you know? Um, but that, culture of that workplace is something I want to move to and talk about. One of your episodes, um, kind of thinking about leaders, you talked about something that really intrigued me called uh, visible leadership. And and especially how like this these kind of techniques kind of might seem counterintuitive to getting the work done. But in the long run, you know, you get there quicker and you get there together. Talk about visible leadership and, and what is that concept all about? And how do you, have you seen it applied? <laughs> thank you. And I'm, you, thank you for listening so intently to, to, the, to the podcast. Um, so visible leadership came as a, uh, it was, it was just some language that we put to something that yep. we were seeing. We were teaching a group of people, many groups of people, um, a way 
well, let's say a more compassionate way mm-hmm. of improving work, like the, mm-hmm. the, the work that the human right. beings are doing. Now, what came up though, they were in, they would, fl- we would fly them in. They were here for three days. They would fly back and come back for three days and fly back. And it was clear that we were struggling with the first cohort, that they were struggling with connecting with the worker, with the workforce that's actually doing the work. And it was, it was kind of curious because we're the big, all bad general contractor, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're in charge. Why aren't we connecting? Um, so me and my partner, Sean Moran, were like, hey, what do you think about this? He's like, you know what? Let's do this. We come in first thing and we got we get tacos from Eddie's Taco House every time. <laughs> We'd have tacos and then we say, OK, first thing on the agenda, we titled it visible leadership. Mm. And there was two things. First thing, we're, you're going to walk and you're going to pick up a minimum of three pieces of trash. The other charge was meet somebody new and learn something about them. And when you get done, we're going to come back and we're going to debrief and everybody is going to talk about who they met and what they learned about them. Yeah. Now, the reason we called it visible leadership, because that picking up the trash, it doesn't seem like a big thing. And some people got, there was one person got a little offended by it. I'm like, bro, like, that's what we're going to do. You you want tacos? You go pick up trash. Like, be cool. (laughs) But it's us, the leadership demonstrating the behaviors we seek yeah right if i can yell and scream and holler all day long and tell people pick up is this how you keep your house and all this like cliche stuff how about you go pick up some trash and you know what when people see you do that they do it too yeah because you're demonstrating the behaviors that you're seeking now the the going out and meeting somebody there was a lesson in that And so the lesson was the observation I had is like, why are we having such a hard time general contractor, which is like the top of the food chain out on a job site. Why are they not, why aren't they able to connect with our workers? Like this is our job, right? They had never had to have or tried to have an interaction with a craft worker. That was not a punitive interaction. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Right. Like, that was the problem. Yeah. And the trades were like, of course. I mean, I know because back in the day, man, if I saw that GC walk up with the fancy hard hat and the shiny boots, man, I got busy. All Oh, I got stuff to do. No eye contact and I'm going to go work. <laughs> and so that was how. Why? Because every time I talked to one of those people, I was getting my butt reamed. So we made that a, a part of it. And, and that was the part the read, the value in people reporting out who they met and what they learned about them was they also talked about their observation. Like, wow, I didn't realize how uncomfortable I was or how out of practice I was in just saying, what's your name? Like I asked him where, he, what job he was on before he got here and how long he's been in the trade. And I learned that he has horses in, uh, in Milwaukee or what, like, all kinds of like that guy's got going stuff going on. Yeah. And then one time, one person was like, we met him. He was kind of standoffish. We talked, right. I told him about me. He told me about him. The next day he's like, he, he saw us out there walking the side. Hey, 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 guys, come over here. I, I got an idea for you. You asked me for an idea. I got an idea for you. That never would have happened had we not just had that simple human interaction. 
And yep. so for us, that's what visible leadership was. It was an agenda item on this, this learning escapade. Uh, and it was pick up three pieces of trash and meet somebody new. And we did it every day. And it was, Ugh. it was very profound. I love it. I love it. But I, I think like on paper, like schedule, people are looking at this and saying, this time is wasted. Like, you know, let's get to work. But you see the kind of multiplier effect of value that yes. something like that brings. And yes. then that's transferable the next day. It, that, that stays. It's yes. not, a, you know, so one hour invested means the job's getting done on time and you're building that cohort keeping your retention of workers, yes. keeping morale high, people are working faster, you know, I mean, all these kind of multipliers because you spent an hour and a half uh, in the morning on the first day, picking up trash and meeting each other. I love this model. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. You know, I want to, I want to continue this little bit uh, and it kind of goes to the picking up trash thing, but it's a little bit different. So, uh, yep. I'm listening to your podcast, uh, Jesse, and I got another <laughs> reference here. So a recent one, um, was with uh, uh, Edward Rivera from uh, New York City, uh, Edward the Elevator Pal. Uh, this guy, uh, I love his slogan, build elevators, build escalators, uh, but above all, build each other. And you two talk so much about leadership and building leaders. Here's what I really want to drill into that I thought was a great part of the episode. Um, and it was about... Uh, Folks coming new, new to the worksite, which we've been talking about tonight. Um, but this idea that uh, uh, he mentioned, uh, someone comes in, new hire, uh, and they've got the skills, they've got the credentials. Um, and he says, you know, welcome to the job site. Pick up a broom. Clean the site. And he started, he, he talked about this, you know, you're going to, kind of build those skills from the bottom. Talk a little bit more about that concept of really, you know, learning the respect of the work site uh, and, uh, you know, finding your way through the nuances. Because if you can you know, prep that work site, you can really uh, be more effective in your job. What did you pick up from uh, uh, Edward's kind of discussion there in your contribution? Yeah, no. So Ed's point of view, it was perfect because he yeah. clearly, and this is another like power skill, he has standards. He has a minimum yeah. performance expectation, and he's very clear about what those things are. Yeah. So he was talking about the new person coming on site. Say, like, grab a broom. You can start cleaning. And, and so it's a progressive way of developing an understanding of what the standard is and what the expectation is. Because here's the magic, because he and I didn't get to talk about this. But I know that if, if I show up on his job and I'm a helper, and he tells me to clean, I'm going to clean because clean is a relative term. I have multiple ex-wives that have told me that. <laughs> I don't understand what clean is. So I'm going to clean to the degree of my understanding. And Ed's going to say, bro, like, that's not clean. Like, oh, okay, what is clean? And so we're going to get clear on what that expectation is. And now I'll have an understanding of what clean means and the purpose behind it. Because a good, clean, organized workspace is a productive and safe workspace. Now, picking up a broom as I'm a third or fourth year apprentice, that, that is not flattering work. And, and I struggled with that when I was coming, like, why do I got to do this? You know, I'm, no. I'm me, right? I, don't you know who I am? Yep. Um, but I've learned since then, 
that every activity, every single activity that happens on a job site is critical to the success of the project. 100%. Yep. We now we don't treat it that way. So what's also super powerful about Ed's technique of here, go clean. It's an expectation. It's not a punishment. How many times do people get put on the cleaning crew as a punishment? Right. What do you, what message do you think, what dynamic are you creating if cleaning is a punishment? It is an expectation. So he's setting up these fundamental skills and that's the key word, right? Is fundamentals. He is instilling fundamental way of approaching work to show up and show out. And by doing that, he is creating the types of, of leaders that are going to further enhance the, the trade because he's a, an elevator or builder. Um, by not, he's not nagging, right? He's not, he's being very clear. First thing on the job, first thing you do is clean and we're going to get clear. And then I'm sure he's going to say, okay, when we receive material, this is how it goes. When we put tools up, this is how they go. Because it's going to minimize all the little goofy um, deviations that cause us to make weird decisions that we don't need to be wasting our time. And, you know, if we're talking about dollars, if we ain't wasting time, we're making money. Right. Uh, and it and goes back to this thing. It goes back to this thing you said, you know, about like it, it's about also the comprehensive quality of the work. Yes. Soup to nuts from the from the front. You know, from 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 cleaning up to you know, delivering the, the elevator in that example or any example, but it kind of underscores for the hotshot new hire or the fourth year apprentice. Like we're thinking about the full piece here. You know, let, let's go back to some fundamentals. I got that lesson once um, from uh, a hospital administrator in Midland, I mean, uh, uh, San Angelo, Texas, um, and it was about um, uh, individuals. Uh, cleaning the cleaning rooms you know we we're going to do an esl class for environmental services um and uh she turned you know we I, of course i was all in because it was about esl and we're going to do this workplace class for the individuals that are cleaning rooms but i remember she turned to me and she says i need to make sure you understand the importance of this uh and and i'm like she's got my attention you know and she said if these workers, uh, when we get inspected and they can't explain in English how they clean a room, a patient room, and what chemicals they use, etc., if they can't explain that in English, the hospital accreditation can be threatened. Ooh. Yeah. And so I was like, it's, it's just like, you know, cleaning the work site. It's like, this yes. skill, which maybe the doctors and surgeons think is not valuable, this administrator, or they know it's valuable, but it's not like instrumental. This administrator is saying, this is our biggest threat. You know, this ESL class is a game changer because we could be, lose our accreditation. Mm. So I, I but it, it, so it really shows this is a system. Everyone is valued um, and to appreciate those different aspects of things, even if that's not your 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 place when you're you know starting the job, but to see the value of it, I, th I think that's a great message. What I'm thinking about with our schools, and maybe you've got some thoughts on this, because we when we talk about those employability skills, which we've talked about a few times, um, we also talk about uh, leadership in there. 
But the thing that I think gets not talked about enough is followership. Mm. Uh, and, you know, how do we teach followership and the value of that? Because you can't really be a good leader unless you're a good follower also. Um, what's your thoughts on that followership as like this skill that should be could be taught? Um, uh, I, I, I find it, it's not just about obedience. You know, it, there's some other qualities there. Anything you can yes. say about that? Yes. Uh -huh. Uh, so it, when I was recruiting interns or high school grads to come work for TD, what I would get was the straight A students, right? Because the, the people on campus like, oh, you know, they bring me, you know, like, okay, cool. Come on, let's go. We're going to go to work. Those people were leaders, right? And so stay with me. This is a little controversial. They were leaders on campus, leaders within the school. Yeah. When they came out to the job site, they failed miserably because they couldn't make a decision. They were afraid to make a mistake. They needed direction. They needed to be told what to do. So the next year I went back and said, okay, I don't want any of your honor roll kids. Give me the kids that are in trouble, that push back, that challenge. And as long as they were in band, ROTC, athletics, uh, pep squad, like, I don't care what it was, but something that required them to work in a team and be on campus before their peers and or after their mm, peers. Yeah. All right. What was the primary difference? So the, the straight A student, those kids, and I was one of those like until like seventh grade. And then I stopped doing that. Um, I was a straight A student and loved by my teachers and dubbed a leader because I was compliant. And, and so if that's what I'm being, and I've seen this out in the workspace, we reward compliance. And by, what do we reward compliance with? Leadership. And so what does that do? It tells the new leader, people must be compliant. Right. And, and so you'd have this really jacked up situation. The reason the other kids were special was because, not just because they were non-compliant or non-conformist, but they were, weren't afraid to mess up. They weren't right. afraid to try. They didn't need to be told what to do because you know what? They've been figuring their way out for a long time. And so they were able to come out and do this thing. Now, those, those group of kids, because I, I ended up being one of those kids, right? Like trouble and figured things out the hard way. Whenever I have to lead, I'm going to lead. But if I don't have to lead, I really don't want to. Yeah. I would love for somebody else to raise their hand. I love when somebody else wants to answer every question because then I get to chill, right? And so the followership, now I'm not just going to follow any fool, yeah. right? I'm going to be very selective about who my leader is. And so to the question around what can schools do is question, challenge your current thinking around, are you valuing compliance or are you valuing a whole entire human being yeah. because compliance is easy that is like second first grade like yeah. i can comply and make you think i care about you yeah. if all you value is compliance yeah. but if you want to get all of me you need to have uh deeper expectations of human beings in general fantastic Great point. fantastic Great point.
Jeff, yeah, uh, I, I got one more question here for you, and then we're going to go to our lightning round. Uh, and this is about your podcast. So uh, we've talked about it a few times, learnings and missteps. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I first heard you mention this, I thought at the time, like, I mean, I didn't know much about podcasts, but I was like, that's a crazy idea, podcasting construction. Now I know there's a plethora of them out there. <laughs> um, and, of course, as soon as I, you know, it came out, I started listening to it. Uh, and I really love what you've done with it. And um, I have to say, you've really inspired me to do Behind Every Employer in this podcast because I thought, wow, this is a great way to reach people. But I love how you integrate the terminology from the trades, the five S in relationships, your coffee time at 4 a.m., uh, the no BS tribe, the porta potty talk. I love this stuff. So tell us, hey, tell our listeners, you know, about what you're trying to accomplish with learning and missteps and, and where do you think that's going uh, in the future here for yourself? Oh, well, I thank you very much for, for the opportunity to talk about it. So learnings and missteps podcast started the September after COVID hit. Mm. And because I couldn't go, I mean, Anson, kind of how you and I connected yeah. because I was on campus interacting with students, being involved on the, uh, advisory councils and so forth yeah. COVID hit all of that went away and i need that like i yeah. need to serve and so i was feeling sorry for myself and then i said well wait a minute i listened to all kinds of podcasts and what better way to get to parents educators and students than a podcast yeah and i also know that we don't have a great image as trade workers right but most people you talk about construction they, they envision Heavy, uh, overweight, beer drinking, cussing, spitting, chewing. That's not, that's what people envision. They don't envision this specimen that you have in front of you right now. <laughs> right? And so what also happens is we don't think or consider like the heroic things that these people do day to day. Fernando, he's the, my third I think he's episode number three. So Fernando and Ed, those are like my favorite. Don't tell anybody, but those are my favorite interviews so far. Um, but Fernando, perfect example. I was harassing him to be a foreman. He's an amazing sheet metal guy, influential guy, bilingual. Like he had all of these skills. And I'm like, dude, you need to be a foreman. Right. He said, I don't want to be a foreman. And this was my thinking. Well, don't you want better for yourself? And that's pretty darn disrespectful. Yeah. I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. What I discovered was he didn't want to be a foreman because he was part of this nonprofit that raises every year. They, they do a fan drive. They do toy drives. They do food drives for the West side of San Antonio. And if he was a foreman, that would take him away from doing this mm. thing that he loved serving wow. our community. And I, I'm like, he's a biker, Right. He, he's got a Harley. He's got the tats. He always has his lokes on like all the time, even inside the building. So you look at I looked at him and and just I framed him. I knew who he was. And then I discovered there was so much more to him. He's adopted multiple kids. Just amazing. Wow. So that's what I want to do with the podcast is show introduce the everybody to these amazing stories of construction workers. And Renee, my brother, he said it. He's like, the heroes that we're looking for, they're not in Hollywood. Yeah. They're right down the street. They're on the job site. They're on the house. They're driving that service truck. Those people bring you your comfort day to day. Those are the heroes. Go shake a hand. Now, 
started doing that super fun. And then I'm like, well, Hey, this kind of social media thing is there's some power here. Um, and Jennifer Lacey and I, uh, I had an idea to, to have a live stream conversation around five S in relationships. And so she, I, she said, okay, you're crazy, but let's do it. And we describe five S for everybody. Cause not all our listeners are going to know five oh, yeah, yeah. S. So five S is a lean tool. I'll describe it as a lean tool comes from manufacturing. Yep. Um, it's, uh, the S's stand for sort, set, shine, standardize, and sustain. Um, the way I understand 5S is it's an amazing system to help surface problems, minimize the chaos, surface problems so we can do use our skills appropriately instead of, you know, dealing with disruption. Right. So, again, shop floor, manufacturing, job site, 5S, but we're applying it to relationships. Love it. Uh, cool. So we had the conversation. <laughs> what we saw, and you mentioned it earlier, is people we're talking about my experience and her experience in, in failed relationships and hers as a mother and et cetera. Uh, and the audience is responding to that. Mm -hmm. And like they're sharing intimate things in the chat, like on the, I know I was on that last Saturday morning and I was like, wow, this is really something else, man. Yes. So that here very soon we're publishing a book on uh, five vets and relationships. It's going to be the titles lean love, lean in love. Um, but then we launched no BS with Jen and Jess and that that's, we do live streams every other Saturday at 8 AM central. And that entire conversation is about the human side of business. You know, we talk a lot about construction cause that's where we're from her back. She's in construction. I'm in construction, but the things that we're talking about are human problems. They're not construction problems. And every individual, every company is wrestling with these things that seem to just be rooted around vulnerability and protecting all these defenses that we have in place that keep us from being our full selves. And, and, and since then, we've come up with the hashtag no BS tribe because there's more and more people that that are contributing to the conversation and connecting with each other and lifting each other up and building each other. Steve Martin, we met him through the live streams. Yep. He wrote a song and in two weeks, he's, he wrote a song based on what the conversation was with no BS with Jen and Jess, and he's going to be playing it live in a couple of weeks. Cool. Like, that Can't wait to hear that. Right. Like I love it because we we're being human. So that's, yeah. that's the stuff. Well, we Just love your uh, contributions. We're going to take a break here and go to our lightning round. This has been great, Jesse. So get ready to give our audience a charge here. We'll be right back behind every employer. back Anson and and Jess it's good to um you're you're crazy and you're great um I can't wait I gotta start listening to uh no BS with Jen and Jess for sure so this is a lightning round and uh Anson and I and, and you're we're gonna get you uh giving us some action steps so I'm gonna kick this off tonight because I got one that's been on my mind and I'm doing a lot of work um advocacy looking at digital literacy bill 
looking at a lot of uh, the Digital Literacy Act and a lot of things that are going on in Washington right now. We have budget hearings going on and talking about funding for adult education. And I want to direct us to all the employers out there. So for all our employers that are listening, you know, one of the things that makes your employees successful is, um, you know, making sure that we have the school, the tools and the education to support them, to help them, you know, as Jesse talked about, really advance through through a company and really grow because they're learning those skills like digital literacy and learn how to advance and read and write and all the things they need to be smart. Um, but part of that is telling stories and um, doing a workshop um, tomorrow, actually, in Cleveland, Ohio. And we're talking about advocacy and advocacy to me comes down to one word, and that's storytelling. So employers are out there when you have a success story and you have somebody that's really kicking it in your in your employment, you got to get out there and start telling their story. You got to share with the public and legislators and your local congressman, your local mayor. You can share with the lady on the corner. I mean, everyone needs to know how awesome people are when they not only do they get smarter, but they achieve and they work hard in your company and get better at what they're doing to become successful. So advocacy is about storytelling. I encourage everybody out there, um, tell a story. If you hear somebody that's done something great, you know, share it, get it out there because that's what's going to end up changing the world, those stories. There Love you go. It. Love it, man. I, I, you know, the one I have tonight uh, is for uh, the educators out there, our adult educators and others. Uh, and it has to do with asking yourself, um, how are you supporting students as leaders? and followers in your classroom. You know, um, uh, a lot of times, especially in adult education, we're working with folks that are coming back for a second chance to get those skills. Um, and we need to also be working on helping them thrive and survive out there in the workforce. And that means being good leaders and learning leadership, but it also means being good followers. Uh, and those are sometimes when we're doing the three R's, you know, reading, writing, math, arithmetic, um, adding the digital in there, but we're not sometimes focusing enough on how are we building students as leaders. I know COAVE has got some great efforts on that, um, but I think it's something we really need to focus on as part of a, uh, part of our trade and part of what we're doing in the classroom. So Jesse, what's your charge to the group tonight? Uh, and let, let us know where you're coming from. Yeah, so my charge, we got a preview of it earlier in the conversation, wow. is go out to the workspace and meet somebody you don't know and learn something about them. Love it. Do it. I'm going to be easy on them. You only got to do it once a week. Go meet somebody new, learn something about them, and don't talk about work. Yep. That's it. Good stuff. Ah, love it. Great stuff. Well, you've been just inspirational and fun. Uh, Jesse, we go back, you know, and I, you knew me as a state director with my suit and everything. You and survived that, you know, like uh, he was on our state advisory committee. And, uh, you know, I was, I'm so glad when I can personally kind of keep a thread going with someone so special from my hometown here. Uh, I'm asking myself, how come we're not getting tacos more often together or ever? Yeah. Let's do this, you know. <laughs> So, Jeff, thanks for uh, the great uh, uh, event tonight and the work we've put into this. Uh, great guests coming. We've got a full slate of new folks uh, coming down that are going to bring some different dynamics to the podcast. And I want to thank our listeners for uh, uh, joining on and listening to great inspiration like folks like Jesse Hernandez. So thank awesome. you for the uh, great banter tonight, guys. Good stuff. So you've been listening to Behind Every Employer podcast, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. 
You've been listening to the Behind Every Employer podcast with Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. This podcast is sponsored by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. Check us out on coaid.org, on the Coaid YouTube channel, on Spotify, Facebook, or Instagram.